G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. Jesus wants to make sure that you're willing to allow Him to go deep within you and change things about you that you never knew needed changing. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks so much for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. In this episode, Pastor Jeff is progressing through the book of Mark in the Bible. We're looking at another remarkable encounter with Jesus. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus forgives and heals a paralysed man. There's something in this message for anyone seeking deep healing. But like the paralysed man, it may not look like we expect. Let's hear from Pastor Jeff now on Today with Jeff Vines. Mark chapter 2. Let me reintroduce the tension. Today, when you go to somebody and you say, hey, would you like to follow Jesus? One of the first comments is, where's he going? (laughs) Because they don't even know what you mean by that anymore. A lot of people do not because they want to know which Jesus you're asking them to follow. Is it the materialistic Jesus, the prosperity Jesus, the one that gives you health, wealth, and prosperity that they hear about all the time? Is it that Jesus? Is it the Jesus that's humdrum, who's meant to rob you of all your fun by rules and regulations? Is it the Republican or the Democratic Jesus? You know, because both claim that he's on their side. Is it the New Age Jesus, the the Jesus of self-discovery? So, will the real Jesus please stand up? So we said we wanted to do a series called Remarkable, emphasis on Mark, because we need an objective source. We need to go somewhere where it's void of opinion and has objectivity. How can we really know who Jesus is, what he was like? And so many of us have been really infiltrated by the media, by what has been written by both liberal and conservatives. You'll be surprised that as we go through this series, you're gonna be a little bit astonished at who Jesus really said he was, what he came to do, and what he expects of your life. So the series is called Remarkable, and for you who are on your journey or seeking, not, you're kind of skeptical, not sure about this Jesus yet, We're glad you're here because you're going to learn at least so much about Jesus that if you do reject him, you'll reject him intellectually. That is, you'll do it by knowing who it is that you're really rejecting, the Jesus of the Bible. And I ask you to do something for me that might be difficult for you, but I ask you to pretend like you've never met Jesus, to get rid of all your presuppositions and act like you're meeting him for the first time. We were introduced in the first chapter of Mark to this Jesus who starts to go through Galilee. The Bible says in Mark chapter one, verse 14, and as he goes through Galilee, he's proclaiming the good news of God. And he says, the time has come 
The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Right then and there, in the very first chapter of the book of Mark, Jesus distinguishes himself from all other religions and philosophies. All other religions and philosophies talk about advice of how to get to God. Do this, do that, be good. Keep the Ten Commandments, go to church at least, you know, 35 times a year, whatever. And if you do all these things, you'll be good with God. Jesus said, no, I don't have advice. I've got good news. Everything that needs to be done for you to be right with God's already been taken care of on the cross. And that's good news. The second distinction he makes is most world religions talk about the destruction of the world, the coming destruction. Jesus talks about the renewal how everything will be made new, your body, thank God, and the planet Earth, the universe, will all be restored, and anything you've lost will be returned to you because of the work of Christ and the resurrection to an infinitely greater degree. He goes on to make a third distinction. He says, other philosophies, other religious leaders will show you a way. Come and I will show you a way to God. Jesus says, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And the reason he's able to make that claim is because nobody else died for your sins. Nobody else bridged the gap that exists between you and God because of his holiness and your sin. Nobody else died for you. And then the fourth distinction is following the rules, which is what most religions tell you to do. Follow these rules and then you might get in versus following the grand designer. There is a grand weaver in your life that's weaving the cords of your life together. He knows the path that he's laid out for you. And if you just follow him along the way, you're going to discover the deepest desires of your heart. Okay. Now we go back to Mark chapter one and there is a fifth distinction before we move on to chapter two and you find it in verse 35. Next part of the story. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Stop right there. Now stay with me for a moment. You've heard me talk about Victoria Falls, right? Now I have learned that Victoria Falls is the best bungee jump in the world. The advertisement says for adrenaline junkies only, there is a 1,000 feet drop off the Victoria Falls Bridge straight down headed for the crocodile hippo infested waters of the Zambezi. Now, here's what's interesting. 22 year old Australian Aaron Langworthy leapt off the bridge but did not spring back up. The cord snapped. She plummeted toward the croc infested waters and incredibly she survived she actually came to, she was knocked out momentarily, but you'd think she'd drown. She came to, swam to the bank, coughing up blood and water. And after spending a week in a South African hospital, she fully recovered. Now here's what's interesting about Victoria Falls. Guess what's happened? Bungee jumping has quadrupled. <laughs> and the crowds have quadrupled to see it. Why? Well, on the one hand, Crowds want to see if anything else is going to happen. And bungee jumpers know there are big crowds there and everybody wants to jump in front of a lot of people to gain significance in their two minutes of fame. Now here's what's interesting. This is typically the human response to disaster and the things that happen that just freak us out. We're drawn to that kind of thing. Destruction somehow draws us. Crowds definitely draw us, but not Jesus. Totally different than any other philosopher or teacher. Wasn't looking for big crowds. In fact, when he found big crowds, he ran away. Why? Because Jesus is not looking for quantity. He's looking for quality. And he only wants you following him if you're serious. As a matter of fact, 
He only wants you there if you're serious about life transformation. I think the gospel would put it to you like this. Jesus wants to make sure that you're willing to allow him to go deep within you and change things about you that you never knew needed changing. That's why one of the most intimidating symbols, metaphors in the Bible is the potter and the clay imagery. God is the potter, we are the clay. Now you think about that. So he's going to spend our entire lives shaping, cutting, sanding down the rough edges. That's intimidating. Now, that's the fifth distinction. But now we move forward to Mark chapter two and a real cool story happens. It's one of my favorite stories. Today, we're gonna approach it from the side of the guy who's in trouble. And Jesus goes away, gets away from the crowd, goes into a home and just starts teaching in the house. And here's what we read in verse two of Mark chapter two. Many had gathered so that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, now look at this next line, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now I want you to think about, imagine if you can, look up, think what would it be like for this guy living on a six feet by four feet mat? He's limited to about the size of this stage area right here. He's never going to be moving. This is the capacity. It's the totality of his life experience. His whole world is right here, which means somebody else, because he's a paralytic, has to feed him, clothe him, clean him, carry him, no sense of independence. And remember, we're talking about first century New Testament times, so there's no medical hope for him, no hope of anything changing, no surgeries, no rehab, no treatment centers. He's stuck on the mat. And probably the worst part for this guy is, man, he just has no significance. All he's doing in his life is taking up space. He's making no, at least in his mind, significant contribution to the world. So no meaning, no purpose, that's it. And you can imagine if you're this guy, you're on the mat, you'd have dreams, wouldn't you? You'd dream of what it would be like to walk, of what it would be like to get married and have a family and have children and be respected in the community, have your own place of business. So don't you think it's great that this guy has four friends that will bring him to Jesus because they believe that Jesus can help him. Who do you know that needs Jesus so desperately that you're carrying their mat, that you're bringing that person to Christ? Because these four friends obviously believe that Jesus can make a difference, so they get the guy to the house. When they get there, it's S-R-O, standing room only. And so, thank goodness one of his friends is an out-of-the-box thinker. And he says something like, why don't we climb up to the top and lower him through the roof? cool. And the other three, because they don't have a better idea, say, let's do it. So at great risk and great time, they lower the guy through the roof right in front of Jesus. It's risky because they don't know how Jesus is going to respond. And it's time consuming. It's difficult. Can you imagine their frustration when the guy's in front of Jesus? Imagine Jesus teaching in front of a big audience. All of a sudden there's a guy that comes down through the roof. He's right beside Jesus. Jesus stops, looks at him. And here's what he says. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, what are you going to do if you're the paralytic? Thanks, but that's not why I'm here. <laughs> and the guys on the roof are looking down after all this effort, and they're probably thinking, dude, what's up with Jesus? Sins? Who said anything about sin? Now, what's up here? Tim Keller, in his book, King's Cross, on which this series is based, makes a great statement. He says that Jesus is saying, I know you're suffering. 
And I know you've been a victim of circumstances that are not your fault. I get all that. But right now there's a deeper issue. And the deeper issue is this, that the main problem in your life is not what has happened to you, but how you've responded. Now look at that. The main problem for all of us is not what's happened to us, but how we've responded. And Keller goes on to say that is incredibly empowering because you can't do anything about what other people are doing to you. You can't do anything about what other people are continuing to try to do to you. But what you can do is something about yourself. Now, folks, this is, is going to be eye-opening for all of us. You, you, you can forgive the paralytic if he says, well, okay, Jesus, how should I respond to this, Matt? How should, what do you want me to do? And Jesus Keller says, by saying your sins are forgiven, is saying to the paralytic, by coming to me and asking me to heal you, you're just not going deep enough. You have underestimated the depths of human longings. Now stay with me. Oh man, this is brilliant on the part of Jesus. If I were to ask you, what is the one thing if you had, you'd be happy? Man, if I just had that, I'd be happy. If I just had this in my life, I would never ask God for another thing. I'd be satisfied, content. I'd never have to pray another prayer of request. If God would just give me this. Jesus is saying to the paralytic, walking has become everything to you. You keep thinking to yourself, if only I had legs to walk, if I could just be mobile, if I could just get off this mat and my whole world could be expanded, life would be good, I would be happy, I would be content and satisfied and I would never ask God for another thing. Does that sound familiar to anybody? God, if only my marriage was restored, if I could just get my children into that college, if I could just get that job, if I could just get that promotion, if I could just make a little bit more money, if I could just find a husband, if I could just find a wife, if my husband would just understand that I'm always right about everything, if only, if only I could get out of debt, then all would be well. I could live my life. I could be fulfilled and I would never complain again. I'd be happy, satisfied. I'd be good. You know, people will go to great lengths to get that one thing that they think is going to fulfill them. And for a lot of people, it's significance. Now you, I've never met anybody yet when I asked them, hey, what do you want to do with your life? They said, you know, Pastor Jeff, I just want to take up space. <laughs> if I can take up space, I'll be happy. Most people want to go beyond mediocrity. You see little girls dressing up, makeup, hair, and guys going to the gym trying to get muscles. They want to stand above. They don't want the, the greatest fear for a lot of people is anonymity that nobody will know them. So we want to be known. We want to be famous. We want people to respect us. And what people are willing to do is really crazy. I mean, you just go on YouTube. I went on YouTube this past week to a site called Stupid People Doing Stupid Things. <laughs> and they're trying to get their two minutes of fame. And there's one guy that actually stands behind a horse, right behind the horses. He's trying to brand him. And what's going to happen when you do that? There's another guy. He, he takes a, what appears to be a, a pumpkin and he puts gasoline in it and now he's going to light it on fire, which is bad enough. But then this very intelligent young man wants to take a ball bat and hit the pumpkin. And what happens when you do that? It's going to explode and it's going to set you on fire. Amazing, isn't it? And then there's another guy and folks, there's hundreds of these. I only have time for three. There's another guy who climbs a tree, he's going to cut the tree, not realizing it's top heavy. And when he cuts the top off, it's going to swing down and almost knock him off the tree. Amazing, isn't it? 
And all of this for just a couple of minutes of significance so that you can be on YouTube and everybody will know your name. Now listen, Jesus says to this young man, this paralytic, look, young man, I will heal you and euphoria will come. There will be dancing and singing and shouting in the streets. That's going to happen. But he says, give it two or three or four months and something else is going to happen. It's something else you'll ask for because discontentment runs deep in the human heart. You know, Cynthia Heimel, writing for the New York uh, newspapers, great writer, great author, she says something interesting. She says she knows and actually has a relationship with a lot of Hollywood stars. And she says, I knew them when they were waiters and waitresses, when they were cashiers, when they were gas station attendants. I knew them then. And many of them struggled. And we're talking about famous Hollywood stars. I'm not going to mention any names in this one because I don't like to do that, but you would know them. And most of them, she says, struggle to make ends meet just like the rest of us and continually played the what if game. What if my ship comes in? What if I get that lead role, that part in the movie, then everything will change and I'll have what I've been waiting for and I'll be happy and content and satisfied. She says they were occasionally stressed, driven, frustrated with common tendencies toward anger and even some hostility, which is the way you act and the way you live. If you ever wonder why you're just so short-tempered or why you're just irritable, Oftentimes, it's because there's something in your life you don't have that you think you deserve or you think you're entitled to, so you're just miserable until you get the one thing that's going to satisfy you. But then she goes on to say, I've known some of them when they finally got what they want, and guess what the result was? They became awful, unstable, angrier, more manic, unhappier, downright unbearable. And then she says this in the piece. She says, I pity celebrities. I really do. Celebrities were once perfectly pleasant human beings. That's an overstatement. But now their wrath is awful. They wanted fame, so they worked, pushed, and shoved. Yet the morning after each of these became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because that giant thing that was going to make everything okay, make their lives bearable, give meaning and purpose to their lives, happened. And they were still them. The disillusion turned them into howling and insufferable. I think, and I don't agree with this, she overstates it, but she says, I think when God wants to play a really rotten practical joke on you, he grants you your deepest wish and then laughs merrily when you realize you want to kill yourself. You know what Jesus is saying to this guy? He's saying to the paralytic, I'm not going to play a rotten joke on you. I'm not going to give you your deepest wish only to have it be replaced by something else in the weeks or months to come. I'm going to deal with the real issue. Now stay with me. This is so ironic because for the last 20 years in the area of apologetics, and apologetics just means defense of the gospel, we've had to face the issue of pain. And our answer has always been that pain does more to turn people's attention toward God because it helps you realize how fragile you are. I mean, I'm 47, I'm beyond halfway to death again, so you start to realize your own mortality, don't you, as you get older, and that you are gonna die one day, and the death ratio never changes, one per person. And so, here we know and understand how life is. And God allows sometimes difficulties to occur so that we may see the fragility of life, the temporariness of this world, so we may turn our attention to eternal things. But now things are changing. The articles being written on this whole issue are different now. They don't deal with pain, they deal with pleasure. Now one of the primary ways God can turn you toward himself is to let you feel the emptiness of that one thing you thought if you got, it would fulfill you and you'd never need another thing. I th it's not like history is void of examples. Whitney Houston, 
Now, I don't want to make any judgments about Whitney Houston because I don't believe half of what I read in the media, so I'm going to just stick with what I do know. One of the most talented singers ever. I mean, I remember back in the 80s. Some of you young people don't even know that existed, but there was a time called the 80s when music was real music, I just might add. In fact, some of us still listen to 80s music. Whitney Houston was amazing, man. The things she could do with her voice. And look at her. I mean, she was beautiful, respected, admired by men and women. She had truckloads of wealth. I mean, she had everything we think if you have, it's all good. Attractive, beauty, money, stuff, mansions in five or six different countries. She had everything. Yet there's something that was happening in her. She could not find contentment. And she kept looking for it in all kinds of places. And finally, she ran out of options. And who knows what happened in the last days or last moments. But what we do know, we can know that something was wrong with Whitney. She just wasn't happy. And she was looking for some sense of contentment, satisfaction. You know, you don't have to go just to today's Hollywood stars. You can go back to one of the first Hollywood stars, not Hollywood, but one of the first worldwide phenomenons, a guy called Guida Maupassant. Guida Maupassant was kind of the first worldwide star. He was a writer of short stories. He had a yacht in the Mediterranean, a house on the Norman coast, a luxurious flat in Paris. Critics praised him, men admired him, and women worshiped him. And yet at the height of this guy's fame on New Year's Day in 1892, he tried to cut his own throat with a knife. He's put into an insane asylum on the Riviera. After 18 months of physical debilitation and gibbering insanity, he finally died. He was 42 years old, 42. And here's what he said. He had written his own epitaph where he said, I have coveted everything, taken pleasure in nothing. The one thing he thought would be that thing left him just as empty, frustrated, and discontented. There are others that seem to get closer to it. Like my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, Chariots of Fire, going back to Eric Little, the guy who decided he would not run on Sunday because that was the Lord's day. And many people believed he would not get the gold medal because his strength, his race would be operating on Sunday. He still wins a gold medal in another race that he hadn't really trained for. But the real interesting character in Chariots of Fire to me is Harold Abrams. Because he makes an astounding statement to Eric Little in the locker room. He says, I am not afraid of losing. I'm afraid of winning. I have but 10 seconds to prove my significance and even then I'm not sure I will. Do you hear what he's saying? What if I achieve the goal that I've been working for all my life and realize I'm still discontented, frustrated, and dissatisfied? The real Jesus tells you and me this, that the temptation of every single person is to build his or her identity on something that is temporary at best and your soul knows it. Think about it. When most of us first come to church, and it's okay because we're all on a journey, but when we first come to church, come to Christ, come to God, we come because we hope that God will help us get our idols. You've heard me say that a few times. Has it resonated yet? In other words, there's these things over here that we really worship, promotion, finances, another house, get the girl, get the guy. There are things over here we really want. So when we first come to church, we're hoping that God will help us get what we really want. That's ironic. We're asking God to help us get our idols, our little saviors, the things that are going to save us from discontent. But Jesus wants to do something entirely different.
We're only partway through this message from Pastor Jeff, but that's where we need to pause for today. Next time, we'll see what else we can apply to our lives from this story of the paralysed man meeting Jesus. Getting married, getting a job promotion, asking for a raise, those are still good things. They're not ungodly things and you're right to pray about them. But what Jesus wants to do is show you how everything in your life has eternal significance. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.